Uh, welcome, everyone watching at home. Welcome, uh, those in person. I, you know, we're a reserved bunch. I think, I think that's fair to say. We're, which is, that's fine. But I just, you're going to dismiss the kids, right? Well, it's too late. Sorry, you don't have a microphone. Uh, I have the microphone. Uh, the kids can stay here just for a second because we need them for this. I just, sometimes I think there are things that happen that, like, even for a reserved bunch that we should celebrate. Uh, like using our hands and our voices, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna read I'm gonna read what what's taken place at Mission City Church again uh, over the last handful of months, and then like after I'm done, particularly when I get to the point where we say, hey, like ten people trusted in Christ, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate, okay, reserved friends, we're gonna celebrate. So I'm giving you a heads up. I'm gonna give you a heads up, but I'm gonna okay. 34 weeks it's been going on. Uh, during that time, 3,525 families have been served, right? In their, their time of need? Yeah, right. You guys are already exceeding my expectations because I thought you were going to wait to the end, but you're doing it after each one of these bullet points, which I love. Uh, 9,300 pounds of food and supplies have been given. I just... 556 Bibles have been distributed. And ten people trusted in Christ. Yes, I feel, oh, there's hope for our reserved friends. Yes, yes, isn't that cool what God's doing? Uh, praise God for that. At this time, I want to dismiss our children, kindergarten through fifth grade. They're going to head with Wes and Jody uh, through the rain, over the river, through the woods. They're going to bring them back here. They're going to be wet and dirty and muddy and all that stuff, but they're going to have a great time, I promise. I promise. It's good to see everyone this morning. This morning is the last Sunday. Oh, I wanted to move this over. Oh, okay. Whew. This is heavy. It really is. If you're watching at home, this is heavy. Uh, this is our last Sunday walking through the Lord's Prayer. We have four priorities this year as a church family. Uh, we are praying that God would provide land. Uh, we want to empower our leaders and volunteers. We want to grow in authentic community, and we want to be a dependent people on prayer. Uh, so with that in mind, we started a series a few weeks ago on, on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, because believe it or not, uh, Jesus teaches his followers how to pray, uh, which is cool because prayer can be intimidating, it can be difficult, sometimes we don't know what to say or how it works. And so there was a time when Jesus said to his disciples, teach us how to pray. And he did which is amazing. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about how not to pray. Uh, prayer is not performance. Like we don't do it to sound or to look impressive. Uh, we don't uh, pontificate profusely. In other words, we don't use a lot of words in hopes that we might bend the ear of God, that he'll relent and give us what we want. Instead, uh, prayer is to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And the Lord's Prayer gives us uh, these requests of God, they are the divine petitions, what theologians call them. And, and the first is that God's uh, name would be hallowed. In other words, that God's name would be revered uh, in our church and in our community, in our world. We want uh, God's glory to go public. Right? So God's people pray that God's glory would go public. We pray for his kingdom, uh, God's rule and reign on this earth uh, to be experienced by his people uh, and we ask that God's will would be done. We pray that God would uh, change our fickle hearts and give us a longing for what God longs for 
and desires. This morning, we want to look at what are uh, thought of as the human requests, the human petitions. And they're found uh, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the Scriptures or if you can't bring it up on your cell phone, uh, you can follow along on the screen, which is a feature. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us uh, from evil. Uh, the, the first request that we read is for us to ask today uh, for what you need today. Ask today for what you need today. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Ask God. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I do not like to ask. I don't like to ask for things. Uh, I, I've never liked asking for directions. I'm grateful for phones that tell me where to go. I don't uh, like asking for help. I don't like asking other people uh, for other things, uh, it, particularly because, in part, I'm afraid that they'll say no and then I'll be shattered. But primarily, I think sometimes I'm hesitant to ask because I want to function like I am a dependent or an independent person and I'm not needy. Right? I think most of us want to live uh, independent lives uh, where we don't admit that we, deep down inside, are actually incredibly uh, needy. And yet, uh, the deep, dark secret uh, for all of us is that we are incredibly dependent and we are incredibly needy. Right? We are dependent people and we are needy. We cannot do life on our own. Uh, we see this demonstrated and experienced, particularly if you're a parent, uh, a father or a mother, you probably have experienced this with your children. You, you see the progression in their lives from uh, completely dependent upon you for everything uh, to wanting to take the reins and make decisions for themselves. I was reflecting back on uh, my own children as they grew up. Melissa and I were looking at pictures the other day, and I was reminded when they were, when they were little, when they were first born, we could dress them. They were like living dolls. You know, you buy clothes and matching shoes for them to wear for like seven minutes before they spit up on their stuff, and then you just put them in their pajamas for the rest of the day. But there's this window where you want to dress them, and you want them to match, and so you put on their little shoes, and they're not strong enough to kick them off. They just wear them, even if they don't like them. But then they get to a point where you, you start putting on the little Velcro shoes. You know, and then they start feeling like a, a big little boy or a big little girl because they can, they can Velcro their shoes. You, know? you can hear that sound in your, in your head this morning. But then they get to a point where uh, you start putting on shoes that you can tie. Right? And mom or dad, particularly when you graduate to that point, uh, always ties the shoe of their son or their daughter, but then the little boy or little girl starts looking at the ties, thinking to themselves, uh, you're not going to tie this anymore. I'm going to tie it. And you want to teach them. You, you want them to know how to tie their shoe, and so you stand back and you watch them as they slowly navigate taking 
their, their little shoe ties and flipping them over and tying them together. But inevitably what happens, it's particularly when they first learn, is they get frustrated because they can't do it. And as a parent, you know they can't do it, but you watch. You watch as they get more and more frustrated, and then you get to a point where you say, would you let me do it? And if you're a mom or a dad, you probably have heard the the words from your son or daughter, I do it. I do it. I want to tie my shoe. You know what's funny is I don't know if we ever graduate from that season in life. So often we function in such a way with the Lord where we're going, I do it. I do it. I want to figure it out. I don't need help. I want to do it. And yet here we are reminded in the Lord's Prayer as we ask God, give us, uh, give us is an invitation from dependent people uh, to a God who provides. We are asking Him, give us. It says, give us this day. It's not an accident, this prayer uh, uh, to God is for God to provide uh, for today. Just for today. Uh, How many people here are planners? Show of hands. How many people here are planners? Right, wonderful. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Um, Look around. These are the people that took all the toilet paper uh, back in March and April. No, don't put your hands down. Don't put your hands... These are the people that are always thinking ahead. They're planning. They're prepared. You can make fun of them, you can get frustrated with them, but when life goes sideways, uh, they will have things stacked away in their garage. Right? They probably have a second refrigerator. They are ready for anything. What's interesting, even though Scripture talks about planning and preparing, this prayer right here is that God would provide for today. Right? Give us this day. Give us this day. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm for garage refrigerators. I, I'm a big fan of leftovers. I'm for uh, rainy day funds. But a lot of times, uh, God operates in such a way with his kids that he just gives us what we need for the day. And he just gives us what we need for the day. I was reminded of the story found in Exodus chapter 16 when uh, God's people had been uh, delivered from slavery from, from Egypt and uh, they, they started to, to grumble against God. They thought that God had kind of did them wrong. They weren't happy with uh, the menu that they received. They wanted a little something uh, to eat. And so God provided manna for them. He provided what they needed. And then he provided quail for them. He gave them what they needed. But I was struck by uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 18, because it reminded me of how God oftentimes just gives us what we need for the day. It says, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. It was like what they needed for that day, uh, God provided. This is how uh, God oftentimes works uh, with his kids. Uh, He gives us what we need for the day. He gives us strength for the day. And he gives us grace for the day. And he gives us mercy the day. And so this prayer is an invitation for God to, uh, to give us, it reminds us of our dependence, our need, and then a request for God to show up today, this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, asking for bread for most all of us seems uh, silly. Right? Mo- if I were to go over to your house after church today, uh, you probably would have bread stored away. 
right? There are these beautiful stores on every street corner uh, that, that are stocked uh, with food and bread. If you need something, you just go to the store and you get it, right? It, it's not too difficult, right? So th- this prayer for daily bread probably seems a little silly for us. We run to the store and get milk, bread, and eggs like three times a week. Uh, and yet, if you were reading this prayer uh, and you live down a dusty road in a Honduras in a house with a little tin roof and you were praying that God would deliver beans or rice to meet your daily need, this prayer might take on new significance. If you've lost your job before and you did not have a golden parachute to pull, these words uttered out of desperation are not just ritual or routine. If you've been newly married at graduate school and lived in a 400-square-foot apartment, this uh, request uh, for daily bread is felt. It is uh, real. This is a prayer for God's sustenance. It's a prayer for his uh, provision. And it is a prayer that God delights in answering. I'm reminded of uh, the words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 when uh, he says, Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts uh, to those who ask him? God delights in providing for his kids. God sent bread uh, from heaven, and he still uh, provides uh, bread from heaven. He still provides for our physical needs, And even more importantly, God provides for our spiritual needs. He uh, sent uh, bread from heaven, the person of uh, Jesus, to meet our deepest spiritual need. So we see in this prayer there's this request, there's this ask uh, for God today uh, to give us what we need. And then there's this cry uh, to live debt-free. Look at verse 12 in Matthew chapter 6. It says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If asking for bread is a request for God to meet our basic physical needs, uh, asking for forgiveness is a request for God to meet our most urgent need. Right? This is an invitation uh, to live debt-free. I don't know for sure, uh, but I think this is Dave Ramsey's favorite verse. Right? I'm sure he has this tattooed on his person. This is right up his Alley. Typically, when we think about debt, we think about an annoyance. Like if you've had a credit card debt before, maybe you've felt a little stress from getting the bill in the mail, maybe you've experienced mounting debt before, maybe it's been a hindrance to you, but it's generally accepted in our world. We shuffle our debt, we move our debt, we prolong pain our debt, uh, we feel the burden of our debt or hope someone else will pay off our debt. Uh, But in the Roman Empire, debt wasn't just an inconvenience. And it wasn't just a a bill that came in the mail once a month. In fact, prisons during that day weren't just filled with with murderers or or, or people who had uh, been been brutal to the society around them. It was filled with with debtors. uh, People who owed money and couldn't pay it back. It wasn't uncommon for someone to be thrown in prison and uh, their family would have to work uh, to have them uh, released. So Jesus here in this context, when he prays 
forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our uh, debtors. This is a prayer for extravagant mercy. Uh, This is prayer uh, for freedom. Uh, Saying we owe a debt to God means that we have failed to give Him uh, our obedience in word, in thought, in deed. God is holy and righteous uh, and good, and we are not. We are, are sinners. We have uh, wrong motives and impure thoughts. We uh, sin against the Lord in word, in thought, and in deed. This is the human condition. This is our, our reality. And yet oftentimes we function, I can function, uh, as if, almost as if we are not uh, in need of God's grace. Uh, like, like somehow we've moved to the head of the class. Like we're kind of spiritually mature and we're above that and we're over that. Uh, but the truth is, is that we desperately need uh, God's grace. God oftentimes shows us our need by giving to us uh, his law. Scripture does this. It, it holds up the holy law as a mirror uh, to who we really are. Uh, so the times in life when we're starting to feel pretty good about ourselves, like we have our act together, like we have everything figured out, uh, God gives to us his law. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. When he writes, you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He goes on to say, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's as if God's law, his word, is a mirror uh, held up to our wishy-washy, lukewarm, uh, drifting souls. And so we come uh, to a God who is holy and righteous and uh, good, and with a humble and contrite heart, uh, we say, God, uh, forgive us our debts. We're not trying to conjure up Uh, feelings of guilt because someone told us that we should. Uh, We're not jumping through spiritual hoops because it's the right thing to do or because God said you better be sorry or I'll make you sorry. No, we're confronted with our brokenness in light of God's holiness and we are undone before him. And so we come to the Lord in this prayer uh, to do business with God. We say things like, God, I'm I'm consumed uh, with money and stuff and things. Like I'm desperate to to live uh, a safe life or a comfortable life. I I feel this longing, this pull, this tug in my own heart. I look at others and my heart is wrought uh, with jealousy. I want to gather and cling and clutch and hold on uh, to what is mine. And God breaks our hearts. We say, God, that is, that is not the life of faith that you have called us to. Everything I have belongs to you. Help me to live in faith. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my debt uh, to you. God, my heart is, is filled with comparison. I, I want what she has. I know what she has because she posted it on Instagram. I read what she said about her husband. He seems like a nice man. Uh, he took her for a weekend away. He says nice things. I think he's always like that all of the time because I saw it on social media 
And the guy I married is not like that. And it starts to bother you. And you look around and, and you see others and you say, I want her friends or I want her fashion sense or I want her figure. And you start thinking to yourself, um, somewhere along the line, um, I missed out on getting something from God that I should have got. And you say, I wish that I had her life or I wish that I had his life. And then uh, God's Spirit uh, convicts us and we come before the Lord and we cry out and we say, God, uh, for, forgive me. Uh, forgive me of my debt. Maybe you've had a conversation with a friend uh, before and you're consumed with controlling the narrative. You, you want to couch things a certain way so you're painted in a positive light even if it means knocking someone down a few notches because you are really passionate about glory, your own, and not God's. And God's Spirit convicts you and breaks you. And so you go before the Lord and you say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive us of our debts. In his book, The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down, author Al Mohler writes this, only God's forgiveness can clear our guilt and establish a meaningful relationship between God and us. This petition reminds us that the Lord's Prayer is not a casual prayer for the a generically religious. This is a gospel prayer. We can only say these words and ask these things of God when we stand on the finished atoning work of Jesus. This is the beauty of confession, that regardless of what it is in our hearts, what it is that we've said or done or thought, we can go before the Lord and we're not grasping for straws. We don't have to go to Him with our fingers crossed, hoping, just hoping, uh, that He might extend grace to us. Instead, uh, God promises to extend grace to us in our time of need. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is true of any and all of my sins, our sins. It is true if you had too much uh, to drink last night. It is true if you're 15 and you're hiding your internet history or you're 50. It's true when greed grips your heart and when comparison uh, kills your joy. This is true of my sins and it is true of our sins. It's interesting uh, when you read this prayer, it's easy for us to make it personal I don't think that's wrong, but, it, but it's, it's read in such a way where this is the body of, of Christ. This is us as a community saying, God, forgive us our sins. Like when, when we have not loved our neighbor, when our lives have not been marked by love or grace or the mercy of God, but instead by power and pride, God, forgive us. And God does. Now, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiven people forgive people. Charles Spurgeon, a real smart guy, good pastor, wrote a lot, said, let us go to Calvary and learn how we may be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how we may forgive. And so we receive God's grace and we give God's grace. We receive God's forgiveness and we give a forgiveness to others. When we've been wronged, when someone has said or done something to us or about us or toward us, uh, we, through the process of uh, forgiveness, extend that same forgiveness that we've experienced to them. Ask today uh, for what you need today. 
live debt-free. Live debt-free. And finally, pray for uh, protection. Pray for protection. Lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. Just a few observations. Number one, uh, temptation is real for all of us. For all of us. We don't outgrow it. Temptation is real for all of us. Um, God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't toy with his sons and daughters. Uh, The Trinity doesn't sit in heaven saying, hey, watch this. Let's see what he does. Instead, Scripture says that each of us is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, Temptation uh, is real. The common denominator in all of the temptation that we will ever experience is that we will be present. (laughs) We're there for it. Temptation is part of uh, the Christian life. It doesn't go away. Secondly, we're not able to resist it in our own strength. This this whole prayer is like, God, I need help. You need to do something. Again, we're reminded of our dependence. Like We come as needy and desperate people and we say, God, uh, help me not train wreck my life. But you've got to help me. You need to uh, protect me. This is a prayer uh, that we don't just pray uh, when we hit puberty with raging hormones. It is a prayer that we pray for all of life. Whether you're 7 or 70, whether you're 8 or 80, uh, the human heart is fickle. And there are are things in life that we long for and desire and we want uh, that we shouldn't. And so this prayer is a prayer of dependence upon the Lord to help us resist temptation. Third observation, there uh, is an enemy. Uh, There is an enemy in the Christian life. Uh, C.S. Lewis once famously wrote, there are two and equal opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Uh, Regardless of where you fall uh, on the spectrum, let me know, or I want you to know, uh, that there is an enemy in uh, the Christian life. Uh, And the enemy hates you. The enemy hates you. The enemy seeks to steal, kill, uh, and destroy. Uh, He does not have your best interest in mind. Uh, And you cannot fly through life under the radar. Uh, You cannot fly through life uh, unnoticed. You are in uh, the crosshairs. The devil is a defeated defeated, defeated foe, uh, but he is not a dormant one. He is a defeated foe, but he is not a dormant one. He is uh, active in what he does. So we cry out, deliver us, uh, from evil. A number of years ago, uh, the men from the church went uh, on a weekend retreat, and there's about uh, probably 25 guys that got together, and we drove out uh, somewhere into the woods. Uh, we were going to stay in this little cabin, and one of the things that we had planned on doing was uh, inviting this company to come out and give uh, everyone paintball guns so we could play paintball, because nothing says, uh, I love you, and welcome to the church, like shooting people Uh, with little plastic balls at a high rate of speed filled with paint. Uh, One guy in particular who was there that uh, weekend, I think he was uh, the smartest of the bunch because he came with no intention of actually playing paintball. Uh, He, in fact, said, I am am not playing. 
I am not, I am not playing. But apparently peer pressure is a real thing, and we talked him into it, uh, which was great. It was, it was fun. It was fun for us because we had uh, come dressed for the occasion. We came, we came dressed for war. Right? We had on our, our camouflage and our greens and our browns and our blacks. And if we tucked behind a tree, you could not see us. Uh, but my friend John, John Alstrom, he's actually with the Lord now, uh, he did not come dressed for the occasion. The only thing that John had to wear was this blue shirt that made him look like the Cookie Monster. And so I don't know if you can imagine uh, playing a game uh, in the woods where you're trying to shoot one another and you see someone dressed like a Sesame Street character. Um, it usually does not end well for that individual. Uh, by the time we had finished our game, uh, John Alstrom's sweatshirt looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. Right? It was just full of paint. I can't get that image out of uh, my mind when I think about that time and when I think about uh, John particularly because sometimes I think we wake up and instead of dressing for battle, we come dressed unprepared for life. Instead of coming before God and admitting our need to God and begging for his uh, protection, uh, we go to a spiritual war uh, dressed like the cookie monster uh, and we foolishly walk through the center of town. Author Ed Welch writes in his book, The Banquet uh, banquet of a grave. He says, there is something about war that sharpens the senses. You hear a twig snap or the rustling of leaves and you are in attack mode. Someone coughs and you are ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is uh, an invitation for God to protect us uh, from ourselves and from of the evil one. It is a gospel prayer. It's a bold prayer. And it's a prayer that's used to change the hearts and lives. When we started this series a number of weeks ago, I said, I, I don't want us just simply to study prayer. I don't want us to know about prayer. I don't want us to primarily dissect prayer. Instead, I want us to pray. And so as we bring this series to a close, I want to invite us to do that now right in our seats, right where you are, and ask Cliff if he would to come and, and play. And I just want us to spend time with the Lord in prayer. Maybe for you that means coming before the Lord and praying uh, that God would meet a need that you have for today, like just today. Um, maybe for, for you that is a prayer of confession where you come before the Lord as God's Spirit works in your heart and you say, God, uh, forgive me. Maybe your prayer this morning is a prayer of protection where you say, God, my, my heart is, is prone to wander. God, I am prone to wander. I'm prone uh, to leave the God I love. God, would you protect me? I don't, I don't know what God's doing in your heart this morning, how he's stirring in you, but I just want us to spend a few minutes in prayer. And so I want to invite you to bow with me and then I'll close us in just a few moments. Let's pray together.
Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hear our prayer this morning, Father. We love you, and we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there are certain questions in life that have the uh, potential to change your trajectory and to change your life, uh, depending on how they're answered, uh, for all of eternity. Uh, the, the best, the most effective question asker uh, ever to walk the face of the planet was Jesus. And he asked a number of questions uh, that uh, changed the hearts and lives of people. Uh, questions like, uh, who do you say that I am? Uh, why are you afraid? Uh, do you want to get well? Uh, next week we start a series looking at a handful of the questions that uh, Jesus asked. Uh, and that's my hope and prayer that God would use those questions and the answers uh, to those questions to change us. And so I want to invite you back next week at 1030. Invite a friend. Until then, God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Undeniable life, I can hide.